I'm Brandon Carey. I'm Jason Grady. This is the Medic Class Citizen Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, today we have a very special guest with us. Uh, we have the service director and chair of Georgia EMS, uh, Chief Chad Black. So, All around rock star. That's right. <laughs> I don't know about that. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for coming. So uh, we, we've had the privilege of being able to work with Chief for um, several years now. Gosh, you've you've been part of this region for, for a long time. I mean, calling me old. No, I didn't say anything <laughs> about age. What is it with you guys? But, but just for the record, to make me feel better, how long have you been a paramedic? 34 years. Oh, wow. Sweet. You know how yeah. long I've been alive? <laughs> That's two, two times on the old You could have delivered, Brandon. <laughs> I don't know. How, how strong are you? <laughs> I was a big baby. But uh, so, yeah. Um, what uh? So so did you grow up around here? I mean, where where are you from? Tell tell us about Actually, yourself and was where you came. Born from. and raised in Cleveland, right up the road, White County. Okay. Uh, was fortunate. My uncle opened a funeral home in 1976, and ambulance services ran in the funeral homes in those days. So wow. he would let me ride on certain calls when I was about ten or eleven, and then when I got a little bit older, more. So it was just, I knew what I wanted to do. That's cool. So what's your, your, your work history? You went to EMT school, obviously paramedic school. I went school to EMT and- school my senior year in high school and went to North Georgia Tech night classes. I graduated on a Friday and started my first shift as an EMT on Saturday morning after graduation <laughs> was my first 24 hour shift. Wow. It, um, <clears throat> that was May of 84. Later on in that year. The county decided, the funeral homes went to the county and said, we can't do this anymore. I made $50 for a 24-hour shift back then. Wow. Ambulance bills were $300. Oh, my god! If gosh. that. Um, they went to the county and said, we're just losing money. We can't. They had a subsidy, but it was not enough. So the county was forced to take it over. And I had, I had ridden clinicals and had ridden Hall County, just they'd let me come ride, even not being an EMT. And I had never thought about the fire service, but... Uh, decided White County's small. If I stay here while I want to stay home, I'm going to pick up somebody in my family eventually. And I made the decision to go down to Hall, and they hired me. So I started there in February 1st of 1985 and stayed till June of 2016. Wow. Wow. Okay, so you worked your way up. What's uh, You retired at what rank? Deputy Fire Chief. Deputy Fire Chief. Um, So definitely from, uh, from the ground up. Um, but also, uh, have done a good bit of teaching. Um, and then tell us about your, uh, experience, uh, with the helicopter service. Um, obviously you were a, a flight medic with them, but what else did you get involved with, with them? Was a flight medic through my teaching experience with Lanier Tech, uh, doing BTLS classes. Uh, the, one of the flight nurses that was well known then was doing classes and had been on a couple of years saying, come, I want you to come fly. We're going to open up a helicopter service. Mm. They opened up one one aircraft in Griffin, Georgia. I uh, went down, started flying part-time. I think that was 97, 98, and flew for eight years and then moved into the management side for about five, six years. And then the last year and a half, too, I did consulting governmental affairs all over the U.S. farm, working on wow. Medicaid, Medicare issues. Uh, California was a whole different ball of wax going out there dealing with uh, 
they wanted us and LAPD and LA Sheriff to have a flight pattern because the helicopters were too loud in the rich neighborhoods of Beverly Hills. So they wanted us to <laughs> zigzag and do things, getting patients to hospitals and not mm. overfly their neighborhoods. So wow. dealing with things like that with it, it was quite interesting. So you were you were working 48s at that point then? I was on 2448 Battalion Chief and able to, I met with a fire chief then and with Air Methods and was able to, to work it out where I could do wow. for about five years full-time both places. That's that's moving. It was, but I <laughs> enjoyed it. Work. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I learned a lot. It Good. was an invaluable experience. All right. So then working up and then to, uh, to not out uh, do that, but currently uh, director, what's your title? Director of Emergency Services for Habersham County, and uh, I, I, Jack Moody, who everybody knows, retired. I was named EMS Director, Hospital-Based Service, 27-2016. I lose times of dates. Anyway, <laughs> about six months into it, I was told that uh, they were merging fire and EMS, and they were going to name me Director of the Service. So we merged in March of 2017, and, and it's it's been a ride. It's been a good ride. And and, and then you had uh, what a couple a couple free hours a day. So maybe. then comes along the Georgia EMS Association. Well, actually, that's the funny story. The day that they bring me in to sit me down with the county administrator and the hospital administrator to tell me they're merging services, but I can't tell anybody. It's going to be three weeks before the commissioners approve it. But I need to be planning for it. Mm. And my new position. And I'm walking across the parking lot and then, you know, your mind's going a thousand different directions and my phone rings and it's Kim Littleton. And she says, what are you doing? And I said, I, I can't talk. And she goes, well, I need to make you aware of something. You can call me back. And I said, well, just tell me what it is. She goes, I know you didn't want this and you didn't <laughs> put in for it, but you've been elected chairman of JIMSA. Wow. I got all that in about 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what happens when you miss the meetings. That's it. So chairman of JIMSA. Director of Habersham Emergency Services, tell us a little more about some subcommit or committees that and uh, councils that you serve on as well, such as RTAC and. I'm very fortunate, but there's way too many. Um, <laughs> I'm chairman of RTAC, and the reason I, that's Jason's exactly right. I was not at a council meeting, and Jack Moody nominated me for that years ago. <laughs> but that's also been very fulfilling. Um, serve on a couple of nonprofits here that I'm really proud of. One of them is Interactive Neighborhood for Kids. Mm. And the other one that I've been on a year is North Georgia Community Foundation, and those just do so much for the communities around here. Uh, and I was recently, last week, made aware, a week and a half ago, that I had been appointed to the Georgia Firefighter Standard and Training Council. Oh, boy. So there's a new one. But I'm done. That's it. No more. <laughs> Unless you have one that pays. <laughs> yeah. Kind of echo what Jason said. How do you breathe? Yeah, I would, I would. I'm single and have no life. <laughs> If I were you, I wouldn't miss any more meetings. No, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No you doubt. don't. You'll get nominated for something. <laughs> so one thing that, that we definitely wanted to get out of today's discussion is the importance of membership in professional organizations. So JIMSA is just one example of those here Correct. in the state of Georgia. And I know that you've had nationwide outreach throughout your career and you've, you've seen um, a lot of these. So what... What exactly is JIMSA? I know it's an example of a professional organization. So what is JIMSA? What do they provide for licensed personnel in the state of Georgia? JIMSA is the professional organization that represents EMS as a whole in the state of Georgia. Uh, there's a lot of direct benefits, and you've listed a lot of them. You can go on the website and see, but 
you know, a lot of people don't see behind the scenes. Everybody's real familiar with the two big conferences we do every year. In the spring, we do the leadership that'll be coming up here at Lake Lanier Islands. And then in the fall, around October, we usually do the big educator providers conference, which is in Savannah. But a lot of other things that JEMSA does is every year there's pending or potential legislation that can affect EMS, where we either get behind it and support it and help to get it passed. Or like this last year, there was three pieces of legislation that overall we as an organization and most in EMS didn't feel would be good good legislation for EMS. A lot of times people want to legislate something that can be changed in policy. And a lot of the things that the group wanted changed in legislation last year, the state office of EMS has changed in a lot of the, the new scope of practice and things that came out primarily dealing with uh, region EMS councils. Gotcha. So sometimes while you face negative things, and we did, we were able to keep all three pieces of legislation from even really getting out of committee last year, mm. which was a good thing. But that doesn't mean that that organization brought forth some things that, again, we felt needed to be changed, mm -hmm. but it needed to be changed by policy with the state office, which it was versus legislation. So definitely legal and political representation for the state Absolutely. providers. And we anticipate, we hope there won't be any this year, mm -hmm. but I spent way too much time at the Capitol last year with our lobbyist. Mm -hmm. But but that's just a small portion. Um, Kim, our executive director, is a, is a member of a national association of EMS organizations that she goes to two conferences and is actually on the board of directors for that, where we get to learn a lot about speakers who's good to bring to our conferences. Mm. We get to market. We'll talk about in a little while our uh, pension that we're looking at. But we stay, you know, Georgia, while a lot of people think we're way behind the curve in a lot of things, and in some areas we are, but we're still very proactive compared to a lot of states. You, I know you've had the opportunity over the years to testify before, I think even Congress or the Senate, the um, uh, in Washington uh, with uh, with the helicopter service. Is that is that right? Or, I, I did or in front of some subcommittees, not actually in Congress. We did and uh, and talking about this was actually not for Air Medical. This was in relation to Air Methods, who I worked for, had a tour industry, and there was issues over the Grand Canyon with making the animals when the helicopters fly down in. I mean, again, we're talking hmm. the, the far west. And so you know, the animals and go. the rich people in Beverly Hills. <laughs> rich, all yep. Never so it us. wasn't just EMS, <laughs> but there was things in that that I didn't think I'd ever be talking about. But it was uh, it, it was a great learning experience. Now, here on the local level, absolutely have, have been fortunate to be able to speak to both the House and the Senate about what we do on EMS Legislative Day. Mm. Um and having very close relationships with our elected officials. But on a, let, let's go back to a national level um, for just a second. What, what has been your experience with the representation of a professional society's, um, you know, National Association of EMTs, those kind of things? Um, where, where have you seen uh, where there was a benefit to those established um, entities? And where have you maybe seen uh, things that are detrimental because we don't have um, good representation at that level? It's a great question. It's a great question. You know, the old saying strength in numbers is absolutely factual when it comes to any type of legislative process that could affect our industry, good or bad. 
Uh, I mean, for example, from a nationwide standpoint, look at what the NRA has done for years. I mean, they have strength in numbers. They're a very powerful lobbying organization, uh, not only for our membership wanting more people to get the pension started and the retirement benefits, but when you go, even with our relationships we have, we're very fortunate with our lobbyists and stuff to be able to call and, and tell a House member or a Senate member that may be sponsoring a bill and they're in charge of it going to committee. They will listen to us because, you know, integrity is everything. They know mm. that our lobbyists, myself, Kim, anybody, we're going to give them both sides of the coin. We're going to tell them why we either support it or we don't, if there's benefits, if they're not. Like last year, we said there's some good things here, but we don't think it needs to be legislated. When you have four or 5,000 members of one organization and you put a call into a senator or representative or your lobbyist takes something to them, if you have never really had anything going on there, when that representative knows there's 5,000 members statewide <laughs> or listen. more or, or, or senator, <clears throat> it may be their aide at first. We're fortunate here. I can pick up the phone and I can call directly to the representative senators. It, we've even got a direct shot to the governor, lieutenant governor's office if it needs to go that high. So it, it the benefit is on that. Uh, plus, anything we do as an organization, we have different uh, software companies and things that will give our members a discount. Mm. Well, the more members you have, a lot of times, you know, instead of a 5% discount, you may be able to get a 10 or 15% if there's greater numbers of people that may be going to buy a product from that particular organization. What do, what do you think is would be the reason that people are not willing to be involved either at a state level? You know, now Georgia is just, just one state uh, that does it, obviously. Uh, but at the state level and a national level, within the just the EMS industry, what do you think is uh, prevents people from uh, wanting to be involved or or just not necessarily not wanting to be involved, but just not being involved? Well, I, th I think there's multiple reasons. One, I think a lot of people just don't know. And we've got to do a better job of marketing GEMSA and what all it does. Um, I just had a call this week that they've got some ideas on recruiting in a membership drive, but it's going to cost some money. If we got to spend it, we've got to. That's something we've not done. Back right about time I was asked to join, there was an opening and I was asked to join to fill that opening. Then, of course, had to run for office. We unfortunately had some uh, negative issues going on within the board that um, things had to be cleaned up. And that gave a negative perception back then, as it should have. And I, I think we've worked past that now. Uh, even moving on up, there's been some issues. We work very closely and have a wonderful relationship, as we should, with the Georgia Trauma Commission, the Office of EMS and Trauma, the Georgia Trauma Foundation, our region councils, uh, MSDAC, MSAC, you know, all the, we have to work with those, and we do. And our relationships today are really, really good. But at one time several years ago, they were not that good. Mm -hmm. So when you've got other entities that represent EMS and you do, but you're you're not getting along and you've got little sections going out saying different things, you know, we may not always agree, but we've always got to work for the EMTs and paramedics and do what's best. Yeah. And I think we're doing, I don't think, I know we're doing that now. And, and that brings to, to light a question that, you know, Jason, we were talking about prior to this discussion. Um on a national level, on a state level, how do organizations such as GEMSA help 
increase the confidence from the medical community? For example, MSDAC, how, how can professional organizations help build that and support it? Well, we, we have Kim or myself, we try to have a representative at, at all of their meetings. Uh, we actually have a, a segment in their meetings where we update what Jim's is doing as we do with the trauma commission or the MS subcommittee um, that I'm on. Jemsa comes, Kim does, and and so we update them what we're doing, especially with the trauma commission and the EMS subcommittee, because the funds that's gathered from the super speeder, EMS gets. You know, we, we're getting about twenty three million dollars a year, twenty four somewhere in that neighborhood. EMS gets twenty percent of that, so we are able to take that money and go back and do the equipment grants. We do hundreds of classes, whether it's uh, the TCC, um, PHTLS, uh, EVOC, or defensive driving. Those are all funded through the Trauma Commission that JIMSA sponsors all over. One of the big ones now, we just did one last year here, or this past year, is the um, um, farm extrication class. We did it at J. Moore Farms, which was a great place to do it unbelievable that thing as soon as you open it up it's full within a day uh, because you get up in these areas and those are not frequent calls but those can be very difficult calls and it's different than getting people you know removed from machinery and things like that out, out in the farm setting so I, two or three hundred different types of classes we help put on throughout the state but if you get those people involved you know those classes all they got to do is show up meals and everything's there mm. but i think just some not knowing. Uh, I think another problem is the salary that people cannot afford. If it's not in their region, it's hard for them to sometimes take off and go to a two or three day class. Mm. Um, <clears throat> our our shining star or our what I call our crown jewel is the MS leadership class that we yeah, do. Yeah, let me let me let's stop you there for just a second because I don't want to breeze over this because mm-hmm. I think this is one of the most important things that this that the state of Georgia has done. And I know that other states have actually reached out to the leadership at GEMSA to see how we do this. Take us through a little bit of, of, of that because this is not just a random show up and, you know, let's, let's read some books on leadership and, and, you know, do put some posters up on the wall with some meaningful things and call it a leadership conference. Go, go through what that actually entails. Well, that's where it's, it's a four week program. It's done one, one week per quarter um, at three different locations in Georgia. You apply for it. Mm. There is an application process that includes a written essay uh, your boss or supervisor has to recommend you for it. And it's a very detailed, in-depth application process that shows this person's really committed. And what we do is we, we have people that come in, professionals of from attorneys to other things, and talk about budgets, how you do a budget. Talk, talk about EMS billing, how difficult that is, whether you do it in-house or outsource it. You still got to have an idea of how that works. Unit hour utilization, so a lot of services private. And I even use it to see, but is the ambulance that you have, is it paying for itself? Mm-hmm. You know, is the, And there's different ways to, to figure unit hour utilization. There's some basic ways and very in-depth. Um leadership is a strong component of that. Anything you can think that the business entails, we have people come in and and do segments and teach that. And I'll give you an example. One of the first classes that we did, 
rural EMS director from South Georgia ran one truck 24 and had a truck during the day and then it went down. They had call back at night. No hospital in the county. Went back and implemented things in billing because they did their own. Implemented it for what he had learned there. And immediately within four or five months started, he increased there. And I'm, I'm this is ballpark, but it was in excess of $10,000 a month. Mm-hmm. You take a small rural service and they're bringing in, their county manager called Kim and said, you know, first year it brought in $120,000 more than it did last year. Just the changes that he made from that. That's a success story. And we're even now taking it to a next level looking at for the graduates. We just graduated our eighth program last month. We're now looking at taking it to the next level and having an advanced level leadership for those that are alumni and graduated. Mm. The alumni is working on that now. I don't know what all that entails, but we continue to to improve it. Yeah, and that's great. And and we've um, been a little bit a a part of that. Um, And what I really like about that is it takes you – away from your job for a week you have you the only you, thing you've got to pay is is how you yeah. get there and if your county's got a vehicle or agency they'll send you meals everything yeah, no provided. no distractions you're nope. you're completely focused in and we've seen um you know we've seen a lot of people changed um personally uh and and a lot of services change and i know that we'll we can talk more about that and i know we can put uh jim's uh the, the education part's good but the biggest thing that i think comes of that is what it's it's no matter what we do, how smart we are, how educated we are, our skill level, relationships are the are the core of everything we do. And they they're able to network with private agencies and fire based agencies or hospital based. And they realize because I just sent our our assistant fire chief. He's been working in Habersham his entire life. He's only known Habersham EMS working part time there before the merger. He went. He said. I've been doing this 20 years. That's the best class I've ever been to in my life. Opens up your perspective. Opens up the perspective mm-hmm. that we don't, we're not the only ones that has this problem oh, or yeah. this problem. But he also now, he's got about 24 other directors that they can pick up the phone. He don't have to come to me. He can develop something and call somebody else and come and this is his project. Yeah, this is something that every state <clears throat> should look at at doing on the, you know, out of their, out of their I, association. By far, that's the best thing that the trauma commission is funded and, and that's the crown yeah. jewel. Well, and I was going to ask, is that, is that something that most states offer? Do most states have a, oh, no, okay. Wow. No, we're one of the few. Jason's right. We've had states call. Now, I'm, I can't sit here and tell you, you know, one state that has implemented it. Um, they've got to find a way to fund it. We're just very fortunate of what, what our, you know, Congress or our leaders at the state capitol did to set aside that money for trauma funding, and we get twenty percent of it. Yeah, and we have lots of lead-footed people. In fact, um, <laughs> you know, if you read, if you look at the news, Atlanta was—I mean—just named the number one aggressive driving city in the country. So it was. Yeah, I yeah, believe us. it completely. Um, I believe it. Can't win any football championships, but um, <laughs> when it comes to aggressive driving, That's we're number one. Baseball. Oh. <laughs> Basketball, anything, <laughs> really, snake, anything bit. with sports. <laughs> 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 mm. Oh my goodness gracious! Um, so, uh, so we've talked about the director and leadership conference, which man, that is, uh, or excuse me, we just talked about the leadership program. Tell us about the director and leadership conference that you hold annually. The leadership conference, we went back to that. They used to host that many years ago at Unicoi, and they did. They they stopped for whatever reason. I think the state actually did that and then stopped. And uh, we used to have, if you remember, the what was the conference we had in Augusta? 
changes conference. A lot of people wanted to move it, so they right before I became on the board, they we, they moved it. I say we, I wasn't a part then, but they moved it to Atlanta to Cobb County, thinking that was going to be great. And and I think one of the problems they moved it right about the time the economy was hitting back in the 08, 09. And you just saw, unfortunately, when the economy gets bad, the first area that public safety agencies cut is training and travel. So we saw, I think that was a, a, one of the problems with it. <clears throat> and Augusta was, I love going to Augusta. The problem was their convention center was fabulous. But your area for vendors was about a mile walk from where the classrooms were. And we had a problem that nobody was going down to see the vendors. And we know the vendors is what makes our conference really go. They're not going to be a vendor if nobody's, you know, you got no foot traffic. So we got to looking at things and we talked about bringing the leadership course back and, and looked at various places. And the decision was made Lake Lanier Islands, uh, which is a beautiful place, wonderful place. Problem with there is right now we can only have about 200, 225 and it fills up. So we have discussed about, is there another place to go? But everybody that comes there said, do not change it here. Even the mm. vendors. I mean, the vendors are, it's it's very tight and there's not a good place to put the ambulances outside, but we make the best mm. of it we can. And, and we've had some terrific speakers. And that kind of brings to point another benefit of professional organization is that you build that network. You build that network of high caliber leaders and it becomes a giant think tank at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, our provider and educators conference, I think we had almost 600 at our mm. conference this year in Savannah. Very successful. Again, um, both tracks, you can get your provider hours uh, or you can get the educator hours. Now, there's a little bit of changes coming about with the changes that the state's made on the education side. So we're working with them to make sure that we do it right and people are going to get their hours. Now, is this something that most states offer with their Up until last year, and I still think this is correct, but don't hold me to it. My understanding was we were the only state in the nation that an educator like you mm -hmm. could come to that one conference. And at that time before the changes meet all of their CEUs they needed every two years. Mm. Or wow. is it every year, every two years? Two, every two, two years. years. Now, there's some changes now. We were concerned that... You were not going to need to come to an educator's conference, but but now that we've learned more and talked with the state and stuff, you're still going to need those hours. So because we were looking at, you know, half of our people that attended out of that, you know, 550 to 600, they were educators. So if there was no reason for them to come, that was going to severely, you know, be a detriment to us with that kind of a participation. But now what we're li listening to and hearing, I don't think that's going to be a problem. We continue to grow that. So let's move on. I want to. I want to talk to Chad Black, not Jemsa. <laughs> Chad Black. That's right. Depends on what you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no Georgia football. We'll, we'll leave that off the table right now. <laughs> Don't slap me. Don't slap me. So in the time we have remaining, I want to change gears um, to something that else significant that has happened in the state of which you were not only a big part of, but uh, really made it made it happen. Um, and that is the Senate Bill 102, uh, the establishment of emergency cardiac care centers uh, in Georgia. If you can give us a, a quick recap of uh, just the background of how it came 
to be, and then we can talk about how it actually how we actually made it happen. Uh, again, I'll go back to what I said a while ago: relationships, and and I'm gonna reciprocate. You are a huge part of that. I remember sitting one night. I don't even remember what we were doing, but I was asked to come meet with you and Doctor Marshall. We sit out of a little waiting room there at one of the buildings at the hospital. And and we talked about where Georgia needed to be. We had designated trauma centers and stroke centers, and mm-hmm. we actually had burn centers that were coming on to be designated under the trauma program. But we did not have any type of designation for cardiac care. And we talked about various states that Dr. Marshall had, had been, you know, again, relationships and coworkers, past coworkers and doctors that had talked at your STEMI conference that was so successful. And how do we get Georgia to stepping up to the plate and doing that. Um, it, it was a no-brainer to me. So simply, I made a call to Senator Butch Miller. I don't know if it, how quick it was, but it, it wasn't long after that. And I said, can you meet for breakfast one morning with me and Dr. Marshall? And he said, sure. And I just kind of briefed him what we wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. And we went to Longstreet Cafe for breakfast here in Gainesville. 45-minute breakfast. And we got up, Butch's exact words were, this is good public policy. Why have we not done this before? This is too easy. He said, this may be the easiest thing I've ever carried. If it's, he goes, so, you know, there's nothing, there were still some things to work out. So he established real quick, a study committee during the summer, uh, when legislature, they were out at this time to study it, calls back and says, we're going to do a Senate stub, Senate study committee. And I need both of y'all to be on it. Um, so myself, Dr. Marshall, of course, Senator Miller, um, another senator that chaired, chaired or, um, from Gwinnett. Uh, Renee Unterman. Renee Unterman, chaired uh, Chair the of Health and Human Resources. Right. Uh, Human Services. Um, the commissioner of Department of Public Health at that mm-hmm. time was part of Fitzger- it. Dr. Dr. Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. And a few others. And um, we had. We held the, fir- you know, the first. Held the first one in Gainesville yeah. uh, at Northeast Georgia. And then we had, I think, a total of four. The last three were held. We might have had three, but there was zero opposition, zero opposition, not one negative. I mean, I can remember even prior to this, Jason, you, me, Dr. Marshall, we were on phone calls with people in Seattle and Arizona at nine o'clock at night because they were just, you know, the time (laughs) difference and they're getting through seeing patients and talking about, you know, one of them even advised us, you don't want to legislate this. Yeah, this is an uphill battle. There was no way you'll get it passed. And it, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways, but just ironically, we were notified the day of the STEMI conference that it had passed and Butch That's left right. Atlanta and came and made the announcement with Dr. Marshall That's right. in front and, of about and, and let me 1,500 just give, people. And let me just give credit to the legislature. And you, you say that this was good. You know, Butch said this is a good public policy, no opposition, um, absolutely unanimous in the House. In the Senate. Um, in the Senate. Senate. And one no vote in the House Who's from in our uh, region, he always votes no on No on everything. <laughs> if everybody else votes yes, he votes no. So that one doesn't count. So we'll we'll call it unanimous. Yeah, and it uh and it and it passed and the governor And we hope um, this year is when law. we're gonna see that is great. traction and the desig- designation start. So so real quick with that, and, and we'll probably do another another episodes talking uh, specifically about this, but uh essentially what it does is it gives us three levels of uh of designation. Uh, level one, level two, and level three. Level one is 24-hour PCI with open heart backup, Correct. the ability to do hypothermia. 
Uh, level two is PCI with no open heart backup or what we call a C port, the initial C port site. Um, again, hypothermia protocols for cardiac arrest. Uh, and then a level three, and this is where this, where Georgia was somewhat unique because we didn't want to leave out uh, hospitals that did not do PCI, That's that right. they couldn't be cardiac care centers. So uh, there's a, 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 a third level there where uh, they have to have automatic transfer agreements, which uh, I think a lot of people listening will understand. You bring a patient uh, to, you know, a smaller hospital and a patient needs to be transferred out. It can take hours to find a destination. So we want, if you're going to be a, a level three center, you have to have automatic transfer agreements. But the number one benefit that I think that this is going to see is mandatory data reporting. And I know people oh, yeah. probably listening are like, oh my gosh, there's that data thing again. <laughs> Measure what matters. But you know, until <laughs> you have that data, you can do nothing. That goes for budgets. That goes for, for yeah. healthcare, it, mm. everything. If you don't have the data, you got nothing but to base can, it on. Can you imagine how this is going to change EMS? when we know where are, where are places that are having higher survival rates of cardiac, of cardiac arrest. And then what does that do for EMS to be able to go to your, your commissioners or your city council to say, look, we don't have as high of a survival of cardiac arrest because our response time is so much longer mm. than counties of similar size because we just don't have the resources. If you want to be at this level, and here is the data, irrefutable, if you want this, these are the resources I mean, that you're going to have to provide. It can be as simple as helping you get more Lucas devices in the county. Sure. I mean, not just an additional ambulance and people, but a Lucas device. It may be even a first responder paramedic unit that you need to keep in the county. There's it, it, The list goes on and on. You're and, exactly right. And so what I want to point out, though, here is this is not a bill that was written by really by legislators. This was not a bill that was written by hospitals. This is not a bill that was written by EMS. This was a truly a collaboration with EMS and hospitals and the specialty of of cardiology through legislation. And this really, I mean, it's so exciting. You know, we're, we're entering um, a season right now, the end of 2019, where politics is just so nasty, so dirty, no matter what side you're on. Right. Very few people are out for what's right. It's just how can I be it's partisan? Exactly. How, how can I go against my enemy? And that's how it seemed. This was so refreshing to see we put the patients and the people of Georgia first and everybody saw it. And and really the looking at it, you know, what Butch said, this is good public policy. You could not look at this and say, you know what? No, I don't think so. Well, uh, it's going to uh, save lives. And I'm just not really into that. <laughs> how many times do you, and you see this more, you were there at the meetings. How many times do you get the major stakeholders in cardiac care the Northeast Georgias, the Emory's, the Piedmont's, the Wellstars in the same room and they all and agree all on something. Wow. <laughs> it doesn't happen. That's great. I but, mean, it, it, there was no word about who's going to get more patients or yeah. anything like that. I mean, it, there was, even if somebody wanted to bring up something negative, they wouldn't because there was nothing. <laughs> I mean, it was all good. You'd probably get slapped. Probably. Yeah. And I'll say too, because of, I think the leadership here. Uh, in Georgia, that the Office of Cardiac Care is attached to the Office of EMS. And so the the director of the state office of EMS is essentially the overseer of this office. So now in, in the state of Georgia, EMS is going to be pushed even more to the forefront 
um, and I think really highlights for for the country on how this can be done. Well, we look very strong. You know this. We look very closely at how the trauma centers were. The person that designates trauma centers that heads that up, that office is under the Office of EMS and Trauma, under the Department of Public Health. This, this did not need to be under GHA or anyone like that. It, this is exactly where we wanted it to be, and, and that's what they did. Jason worked a lot on that position and, and the things that it needed to look at and do. So he's right. This this legislation was written by from a health care pre-hospital perspective. That's great. That's a great story. Almost don't even want to talk about anything else. That's <laughs> well, awesome. it's just a lot of people. You know, we didn't. I mean, we had, the. you know, of course, the governor came here and and sign the legislation and uh, it, it, but nobody goes, I say this about this region and I get calls. Why is your RTAC and everything region two so successful? And, you know, I, I even include, I was telling the other day, Jackson County's going to be doing the blood with us. I look at Jackson County as region two. Oh, I always absolutely. have, but uh, we've got good people that care about doing things for the community and putting back in and, nobody's looking for a pat on the back. They're right. looking about doing right for the community. So on the note of the blood pilot, do you mind uh, sharing the story of the of the thumbs down that turned <laughs> up <laughs> whenever you took the... We had... Yeah. Uh, this is something that, again, uh, brought to the attention with RTAC, uh, with our trauma surgeons, and had talked in depth with Dr. Krill about how can we change the scope of practice and do this. So... Kyle and Dr. Krill and Jesse and, and even me on a couple of calls, we had spoken with people in San Antonio who had just started and been very successful. How did you do it? What was the, you know, what was the pitfalls? You know, work smarter, not harder. Don't don't try to do anything just to make it like you. And we got our plan together, talked to the state office, and we had to go in front of the state medical directors, which is not a... A fun group to go in front of. You, you know, they're, they're, they've not been they're great people, but as far as expanding the scope, it's been very hard to do in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, Is there any particular reason why they are hesitant? No, I, you know, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take up for them. I think a lot is the re or the the initial education is good for the most part. Like here's excellent. But once people go out, services are different in what they require. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, some just get the basic minimum that the state requires if you're Georgia or the basic minimum national registry. Some are very proactive, like some of the ones we've got here that requires more. Um, and I think they're worried about that. So we go down the first day, we get it set up, we walk in. And uh, one of the ones that's been on that that board for many, many years, and I won't call names, turns around and I introduce Dr. Krill and Jesse and Kyle, and she says, "Oh, you're you're oh you're here for the blood," and she does the thumbs down. <laughs> That's she didn't say she just thumbs down. <laughs> yep, immediately. So Jesse <laughs> yeah, and them, guys... I'd already warned them going down. Listen, this is it, it's going to be negative. Don't yeah. let's don't let's just do what we've let's let's do what we've got planned. Let's see how it works out. So we sit there. Dr. Krill gets up and does a phenomenal presentation. Any question they had, he had an answer for. Hmm. Um, Kyle had some 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 comments during that. So when we left that day, we went from thumbs down to, okay, so you've made a good point. Can you come back next month and we'll let, we'll we'll consider a pilot project hmm. if you'll come up with a pilot project and do the work. We may let you do a pilot. 
So during that time, we had got some more information. We, I'd send to them just little bits and pieces about things we're looking at and trying to keep them included. And a lot of times you include people and like they've got a part in it and they definitely have one. So we go back. Um, we met weekly and worked on the presentation. And Dr. Creel again was the one to present this. Mm. And uh, when we got through that day, that same person sitting there turns around, looks at us, and gives us a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. And uh, matter of fact, when we went in, we'd we had given them a little bit of information stuff, and she actually turned around and she made a comment, and I don't remember what it was, but it was pretty much they had already agreed they were probably going to approve it because Jesse looked at me and said. That means they've approved it, right? I said, yeah, just stay quiet. Let's let them do the presentation. <laughs> so we were able to get approval uh, with that to do the pilot, where now we have uh, Jackson County, Habersham County, Dawson, and White County are going to be the four pilot agencies for that. So All of which do not have a 10-minute transport. <laughs> do not. Yeah. yeah. Let me, so I, I don't know if this question came up while you're doing that, but devil's advocate here, um, from a statewide level, we we can't or we shouldn't um, expect to be able to do this all across the state in every pocket no. of every community. So is it valid to say because we can't do it in certain pockets of a, of the state, we should not do it anywhere? Um, I think the answer to that is once it's approved as a scope of practice change, there, there has to be things the state office is going to say both starting on initial education, like we've got David Newton, the director, sent me a list that we have to go by about training. Uh, it has to be signed off on by your medical director and your EMS director or, or fire chief, whoever. We've got to report back monthly to them while we're doing this process. So once, we, if, if you want to do it and do it right, you should not be, you should not be worried about being held accountable for the data and doing what's right. So I think there's got to be some pretty strict guidelines in there that says, here's what you'll do initially. Here's the updated training your service is going to do during the year, whatever that may entail. And we will develop that as, as we go along with the pilot project. And then services that decide to do it, here's what you've got to do. And it has to be very strict, but it also has to be able to hold them accountable. It can't be pencil whip. And is this mm. something that you think EMS can do on their own, or this has to be within a system. How do you know what you're doing is working? Can you, as an EMS agency, give blood in the field, be done with it, and then call that a success? Or does no, it have to no, be it, no, it it has to be within a system yeah. that the trauma center is going to give back data to show we're going to prove that it's successful. But you still got to have feedback on that, and no, you can't just. You know, it's got to be a system for multiple, for that reason to show that it's successful. But also there's got to be hospitals from what we're working. And again, this is the pilot project. We're still gathering a lot of information. I, if, if we hang or White Kenny hangs a bag of, of, you know, initiates blood in the field, we can't bill for that because we bill all inclusive. The hospital says that they can. So if we can do a swap out program, if we hang a unit of blood and transport to Northeast Georgia, in Northeast Georgia, who would have given that patient mm -hmm. blood anyway? We're just way ahead of the game. They give us a unit back. They bill for that unit, and it's not costing us anything except for that initial purchase. Yeah, I think that's a paradigm shift that we have to oh, get on board with absolutely. the EMS. It's got to be a system. You can't just have Chad at Habersham do it and then take a patient to Northeast Georgia and, and not 
have any follow-up, not know if it works. Uh, we even want to take it to the level, and that's going to be a, another issue that we're dealing with, and I, I don't know how we're going to work through it, but I'm one of those. We're going to keep, as Georgia says, we're going to keep chopping wood. Um, <laughs> So one more example that we can talk about for as far as a benefit for licensed personnel to be involved with professional organizations are benefits such as pensions. Correct. And, and I know that GEMSA is actively working towards building a pension. Tell us a little more about that, the process, where it stands now, and how other states can kind of look at this as, a, uh, as an example. There's been 20, 25 years of trying to put together some type of retirement benefit for people in EMS. Everybody's aware you have the Georgia Firefighters Pension Fund, which is exceptional. Law enforcement has PAOB, uh, police chiefs. There's, there's, Well, that's probably the PAOB. And then Georgia Sheriff's Association for sheriffs has a, a pretty good retirement. <clears throat> We've never been able to get anything legislatively or any traction on anything for EMS. So when I was named chairman, I told them my first one of the things I wanted to work on as a priority was trying to figure out something that we could do. So we brought in one of our vendors who is an insurance company that does liability insurance and things for EMS agencies. And we just one day had a call with, with them and me and Kim, I said, is there any way? And I explained the firefighters pension fund. And then I told them, I want you to go look at it, research it, and then let's have another call next week. So when the callback said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to set something up like that. You know, nobody's going to draw on it for 20 years. Mm. So it's going to sit there and, and make money and earn interest. And so they come up and said, we can do this. It took about a year, year and a half of working with another financial company through them. To We had a couple that told us can't do it. And finally, they come up and said, we can do this. Now, till we get the numbers and the first numbers they gave us, we needed 10,000 people minimum. Now they've said if we got 5,000, we can start it. We have, in talking, I was at the Pinnacle Conference in Orlando in July with Kim, and we're talking to some other states, again, networking, building those relationships. And we're talking about what we wanted to do in the state of Louisiana and others. They said, God, we'd love to be part of that. And I told Kim at breakfast next morning, I said, why couldn't they be part of it? Mm. That's just strength in numbers again. So we have got several that's interested. Missouri is one. The one that's really interested, I went up and spoke at an EMS conference in Greensboro, North Carolina. And they have an EMS it's their EMS leadership that's a couple of hundred people, maybe 400 members, but then they have a fire rescue membership that most of those are, they want to be members of it. The other benefit, we're setting up some meetings with Georgia has a lot of Fortune 500 companies, as does North Carolina and Charlotte, which is another benefit mm. of there. We're going to be setting up meetings with some of those, the Coca-Colas and Home Depots. Oh, wow. If we can get some seed money, and these are nationwide companies that they see more states want to join. If we get some seed money, 100000 from companies or a quarter of a million, and if we can get a million or $2 million seed money started, we can start this now. Plus, there is an opportunity for somebody like me or Jason, or how long have you been in it? Ten, ten years. You, you could buy back even though, but somebody like me, there's a potential we could have a buyback in buyback years. Oh, that's fantastic. I did the figures for me based on $25 a month. It would cost me about $11,000 to buy back. I'd be, I'd get every bit of that back in the first year. Yeah. Wow. That's so a, that's remarkable. There, there's still a lot of work to do, but we're, we're there. We just need the numbers. And, and I really think if North Carolina comes on and we get the numbers up going, I think we're going to see our membership increase. Now, this is a GEMSA program. It's not, we could not go the state route if we'd went, the, number one, it wouldn't have happened. But if they had legislated it and done it and drawed it from, you know, 
one percent of of insurance policies like they do homeowners for the fire, then if you were fire-based EMS like here in Hall or where I'm at, Habersham, you'd had to pick one of the two. You could not mm-hmm. have two state pensions. So by doing it this way, a fire, a private, we're not going to, if you're a licensed active paramedic or EMT and a member of JIMSA, you're going to be able to be in it, but you're going to have to be a member of JIMSA and you should be. We're the ones that's carrying Absolutely. all the risk. So, but, but think about it. Fire-based EMS Hall County, I can, I got fire and an EMS pension plus whatever else they have, a 401k or, you know, a 457b program. You know, that's, that's pretty good to come out. That's another carrot to hopefully attract and retain people in the industry. So now our listeners from Charlotte or our listeners from the Missouri area, like you were saying, Louisiana, um, First off, thank you for listening. Second off, uh, how would they would how would they be able to get? Well, we're working with their state memberships. We've had uh, actually Iowa. um, We've had a call with them, and we're we're working trying. It's a little bit slow right now, of course, this time of year. But I think our main focus right now, the ones that's really asked us to come back and, and meet, is in North Carolina. And I think once we get it going, I think the states that don't have it, it's going to be like trying to keep the. We don't want to keep the door closed, but I mean, you're going to have. I think a lot want to come in, and the next thing you know, this, and if you think about it, you're talking, if you got multiple states and people doing this, you could have millions and millions of dollars built up. Now, it does fluctuate with the stock market, and you're always going to have a downturn, but Georgia Firefighters Pension is one of the best pensions in the nation mm. when you talk about assets to liabilities. So I would say the the take home points from this whole discussion and is uh, we, we got to be involved absolutely um, and just just as an example, Chad, what what is because I know people are like, oh my gosh, you know I'm a paramedic, I'm an EMT, I don't make much money. What is the yearly membership for Jimsa? Twenty five dollars a year right now, and if you register as an organization, your people it's fifteen dollars a person. Wow. So Pretty I'm fixing like, like Habersham. Yeah. It's going to cost me seven eight hundred dollars to get everybody a member of gym. Yeah. So stop buying your energy drinks for a month. <laughs> yeah, but I think actually, but but even that leadership there, I think that's that's a fairly I'm going to say negligible, but that's a fairly reasonable cost to a county for a budget to have all of their absolutely all of their no, people involved. A- absolutely, and, and, and just I mean, you know, we're not you know. Just go ahead and Google mm-hmm. other allied health organizations, sure. uh, nurses, yeah. uh, you know, even in the med- in, in on the physician side, those are those strengths in numbers. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of the either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. Absolutely. So we either need to get involved. And I think we've we've seen here you don't have to be some very high level person to get involved, uh, either to make suggestions, be on committees um, and we can actually do some good. Together. No, we can do some good. There's a lot of good things happening. There's still a lot of work to do, but I think we're we're light years ahead of where we were five, ten years ago. And, and the potential. Some things have been done. We still that that's what I want. The retirement is what I want to see done. I, I that's something I'm gonna be very proud to be a small part of when we get that completed. Absolutely. And I may not benefit. If I don't, that's great. We're 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 sowing that garden for future EMS and you brought it up, one of you did earlier. You know, you can't look at it. What's it just going to do for me? What do you want to do for the industry moving forward? Absolutely. Well, Chief, thank you so much for your time today. This I appreciate it. It's very, an honor. Very good discussion. Thank you. You've been listening to Medic Class Citizen. If you like what you heard, check out our website at www.medicclasscitizen.com. 
Also, find us on social media where you can follow, like, subscribe, and share. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we also have videos on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.